Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Joining me as we break down all the market action. Happy Hump Day, Ryan Huang. Happy Wednesday, Michelle. How you feeling? Pretty good for Wednesday. So, how about you? Feels like Monday. Why does it feel like Monday? How does it feel like Monday? Uh, in that, I still feel pep in my step. Ah, so you're still fully recharged and raring to go. Yeah. And before you know it, it's the weekend again. Hurrah! Let's start this morning, though, in the world of mergers and acquisitions. This is a story that has to do with electronics, product design, semiconductors, and above all, AI or artificial intelligence. And it is the biggest tech deal of the year, at least so far. It's a deal that is valued at about $35 billion US dollars. And I have to say the two companies involved are not really household names. Synopsys makes software that is used to design semiconductors. ANSYS produces a simulation software that helps engineers predict how good products will work out in the real world. And as their website puts it, ANSYS gives engineers the power to see how their ideas will perform against millions of variables. Exciting merger. What's driving it? Yeah, so it's quite a big deal. $35 billion. You've got to let it sink in. It's a huge chunk of change. So $19 billion in cash. $16 billion in stock. And this is with the idea that both sides will have synergies. So going with the press release, what they've outlined is they are seeing mega trends of artificial intelligence, innovations in semiconductor chips, and how these things can be integrated to power systems, software, and so on. So in order to drive innovation on what will be well, the next big thing, they think they need to be working together so that technologies being melded together in a sense to be able to deliver better solutions for their clients. Now, analysts say that Synopsys is an AI company that just hasn't received as much attention as its customers who are companies like NVIDIA, Intel, AMD. In fact, if we look at the numbers a little more closely, this $35 billion US dollar values Ansys at a premium of about Ansys, I should say, a premium of about sixteen percent above its current share price. Uh, the two companies expect it could take well over a year to bring the acquisition to a close. In the meantime, shareholders are giving it a mixed reception. Synopsis shares finish up three percent overnight. Ansys. Uh, finished down 5%. Kind of surprising as it's usually the acquiring company whose shares take a hit while the uh, acquisition target um, does not, which is not what we're seeing here. If we take a step back, 2023, not a great deal year for deal makers. For the first time in a decade, the value of M&A deals failed to crack $3 trillion US dollars. So do you think this 35 billion dollar deal between Synopsis and Ansys could be a sign that deal making is back on track for a banner year. Yeah, definitely an encouraging start to the year. And you point out last year wasn't too good, but we did get a slew of deals done in the late part of the year. So there is perhaps some momentum to start to build up. And we are talking about things like how Microsoft was in the mix to buy up Activision Blizzard. That deal closed not too long ago. And you've got Broadcom's purchase of VMware and Cisco buying up Splunk in September 
So that was a $28 billion deal. So we've got deals starting to come online in the, next, in the past few months, which could be a sign for the next few months. So with rates coming down, that's mm-hmm. another tailwind. People could be in the mood for more M&A. Absolutely. Deal-making may have been down in 2023, but that did not stop Morgan Stanley from posting stronger-than-expected earnings on the back of its investment banking business. Morgan Stanley grossed nearly $13 billion US dollars during the fourth quarter of the year. Walk us through the numbers. Yeah, let's take a look at the Morgan Stanley numbers. And here's where you have better-than-expected numbers. And looking at the earnings per share, it came in at $0.85. Cents. On that front, not as good as the $1.01 that the consensus forecast was projecting. Revenue, though, was higher than expected mm-hmm. at $12.9 billion above the $12.75 billion expected. So you have some expectations being surpassed on that front due to some strength in investment banking. So revenue from investment banking rose 5% from a year ago on the back of a 25% increase in fixed income underwriting revenue. So you have what's um, seemingly like going to be a bright spot for 2024 coming through from investment banking for Morgan Stanley. This is Morgan Stanley's first earning announcement under the new leadership of Ted Pick. Pick took over Morgan Stanley's helm from James Gorman at the beginning of the year. He is a Morgan Stanley insider who's risen through the bank's ranks to lead its Wall Street operations. Investors are giving Pick a skeptical reception, particularly as the bank warns that its wealth management business may have lower margins going forward. Morgan Stanley's shares finished down 4% overnight, its biggest drop in three months. Goldman Sachs also reported earnings before the opening bell overnight. And unlike Morgan Stanley, its numbers are coming in better than expected. Goldman Sachs netted more than $2 billion US dollars during the fourth quarter of the year. That is more than 50% higher than a year earlier. So what is driving Goldman Sachs business? Yeah, so $11.32 billion was what it posted for the fourth quarter above the 10.8 billion expected. So for earnings per share, it came in at 5.48 per share. And this is also above expectations. So what drove it was a couple of things. We uh, had the CEO, David Solomon, outlining that it was a tough year. And this was thanks to some sluggishness in capital markets and whatnot. But it seems like they are optimistic. Things have turned around. And this is partly with how... Goldman has been trying to trim down its exposure in the consumer space, consumer banking space, which hasn't really done very well for Goldman. So they've been upping their game elsewhere, like investment banking. So similar to what we saw in Morgan Stanley, the wealth management side of things is perhaps the brightest spot for some of these banks. So they've been benefiting benefiting from the rise in private credit and other alternative assets. So something that didn't work out too well for them was in the past year, Uh, They had some loan loss provisions, surging expenses. So that was a drag. And just to add in for Morgan Stanley, the drag for the earnings on that front in the latest report was the one-time regulatory charge related to the um, SVB and SB Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank incident where they had to backstop some of the programs. So that was a charge they had to settle and also a legal charge to settle a criminal investigation on the front. So some of these banks have been going through some one-off charges which ate into their earnings despite having higher revenue.
That's it. Goldman Sachs' profits would have been higher if not also for losses in its property and consumer business units. Overnight, shares of Goldman Sachs finished up 0.7%, but they are giving back some of those gains in after-hours trade. When you look at these latest numbers from Wall Street's biggest banks, what are your main takeaways? Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag, and it's a tough one to paint it with the same brush because these banks are actually quite different. For example, Wells Fargo, quite different from the likes of Morgan Stanley. Some of them have more exposure to the consumer side of things, and of course, it's not going to be the same story. And if you look at revenue growth, it's been quite mixed, and I think if we want to draw a common thread, it would be that the outlook for revenue is going to be quite murky. There isn't a very clear sign. In fact, there's some cautiousness. Some of them are quite conservative when it comes to painting what's ahead for the next few months. Uh, So this really coming through from Wells Fargo, very cautious commentary around net interest income. And I think that's partly because they feel that the loans growth environment, even Mm -hmm. though rates may be coming down soon, they are not seeing people borrow. So that's something that could weigh on the banks that have more exposure to the consumer side of things. Whereas the likes of Morgan Stanley, the institutional guys may have better luck ramping up their earnings from wealth management, institutional banking with the M&A picture starting to pick up, deals being done. They could be benefiting more from some of these other banks. Not every big bank in the U.S. is doing so well. On Friday, Citigroup reported that it lost money during the fourth quarter of the year. And the Bank of America reported a pretty big drop in earnings as well. All right, it is time now for the Elon Musk report. We haven't done this in a while, but Musk is making waves once again this morning. Musk is the richest person in the world. He's also the chief executive and largest shareholder of Tesla, but it's not enough for him. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk has told Tesla's board he wants more, much more. What exactly is Musk demanding? Yeah, the richest man in the world feels he's not rich enough. (laughs) So it's almost like a alternative version of Oliver Twist. So he is saying, hey guys, pay me more. He's talking to the Tesla board and he wants a big, Reward when it comes to stock options, pretty much. So this is this is pretty much years after he sold off a chunk of his personal stock war chest, so to speak, to fund the acquisition of Twitter. So he's trying to, I guess, replenish some of his fortune in that sense. So this also, alongside what he's been saying in recent days, that he, unless, has roughly twenty five percent voting control at Tesla. Mm-hmm. He would otherwise build all the fancy AI and robotic stuff elsewhere, not in Tesla, because he wants to effectively have an influence, remain in control, be able to vote you know, for the company, some fortunes, policy direction, and so on. So in order to do that, he needs at least 25% voting control. So you could do that with raising his controlling stake. Right now, it's about 13%. So maybe enough shares for him to go up to 25%. That could be one option. You know, Musk is so synonymous with Tesla. It's hard to, you know, when you look at the numbers, realize that it's just 13% that he currently owns, which he wants to bump up to 25% plus a big payout. And he's essentially threatening to take his toys and play elsewhere if he doesn't get what he wants, right? This threat to carve out AI and robotics into a separate business. This comes at a really awkward time for Tesla. It's lost more than 90 billion US dollars in market cap over the past fortnight. So... You know, 
the perennial question, what do we make of Musk's demands? And do you think he's justified in wanting more or is the world's richest man just being greedy? Yeah, it's a very interesting case study, I imagine, that will be closely examined in years to come. How important is one man to the company? Mm. The, the one man syndrome almost. So he, of course, is quite influential. He drives a lot of ideas, a lot of action as well. He's quite well-connected. So you could say he's quite valuable. But at the same time, right, how much is he worth? And I think this is going to be even more, I guess, an, a question that has to be answered when you look at some of the news reports coming in about his drug use, for example, is one of the problems that the board is trying to figure out how to manage, some reports about his drug use and how he's been too intense as well. So you've got to figure out you know, how much is the reward ratio having someone like Elon Musk for the company. It might be worth it, might be not. So it's going to be one for them to figure out with all the various headlines swarming around Elon Musk. If Musk were to follow through on his threat to build AI and robotic products elsewhere, that presumably would be quite a blow to Tesla's stock valuation. Investors are shrugging off this risk, at least for now. Shares of Tesla rose half a percent overnight, and they're up another quarter percent in after-hours trades. So please stay tuned right here on Market View with us to see if Musk gets the payout and higher stake he's demanding in a future edition of our Elon Musk report. Next up, let's turn to Japan. Yesterday on Your Money right here, we talked about the bullish case for Japan's markets. The Nikkei hit its highest level this week since Cherish by Madonna hit the charts. I would sing it for you, but... Wednesday is going so well so far. Why ruin it? This morning, we have news that Warren Buffett has been steadily increasing his stake in five Japanese companies. So let's look at Japan and what Buffett is bullish on, Ryan. Yeah, so you've got some names in focus. In fact, been following his shopping spree. Uh, these are the five names he's been steadily building up. And the five names are five Japanese trading firms, Itochu, Murabeni, Mitsubishi, Mitsui, and Sumitomo. And as you can might imagine, these five trading firms are pretty big. And they have a lot of different businesses under their belts. So in, it's, in essence, it's exposure to the Japanese economy. So Warren Buffett is quite bullish on where things are going for Japan. And you point out the stock market has been doing well. You've also got... also. A weaker yen that's been supporting the Japanese stock market and to some extent the economy. And then things are starting to turn around when it comes to trade around the region. China is starting to come back slowly at least and it's an important trade partner for Japan. So on that front, it's going to be pretty, I guess, supportive of the fortunes of these five trading companies. And with Warren Buffett putting um, a bit of a vote of confidence behind what he's buying into. It also has a bit of a Buffett effect. Mm. So he will typically inspire other followers to do suit and it will also just go into this uh, self-fulfilling prophecy of the stock going up. The buff, Buffett bump. So seeing a vote of confidence in Japan's markets, Buffett purchasing Sumitomo Mitsubishi, Mitsui, Itochu and Murabeni. Buffett may even soon breach the 10% holding level in one or more of the stocks that I just mentioned. If so, he has pledged to first seek approval of the company's board. Let's take a look at the broader US market now. U stocks finished lower after a member of the US Federal Reserve indicated that interest rates may stay higher for for longer, Federal Reserve Governor Christopher Waller 
actually sounded optimistic about the path that inflation and the U.S. economy are on. But after his speech, analysts lowered the likelihood of a rate cut in March. Many now think the Fed's first rate cut may not happen until May. The Dow fell more than 200 points or 0.6. The S&P 500 Nasdaq finished lower as well. All right, time for corporate news. Let's do it up or down style. Let's look at Burger King's parent company. They're called Restaurant Brands. Yeah, so it's going to be an up for me, but perhaps I'm near-term paying for now because they've got to cough up quite a bit of money. And we are talking about $1 billion to buy its biggest franchisee in the U.S., and it comes with the plan to pretty much have a makeover of sorts. So they are buying out the franchisee and then spending a lot more money to renovate nearly half of those restaurants. And these restaurants are under what's um, under Carol's Restaurant Group. So they're buying Carol's Restaurant Group. Mm-hmm. So they will then make over some of these restaurants, remodel, renovate, and then put it back in the hands of franchisees again. So it's almost saying that Carol's hasn't been doing a pretty good job to their standards at least, and they want to improve on the design, the look, the experience for, well, future Burger King customers. Well, shares of Carol's Restaurant Group jumped 12% overnight. I'm going to give restaurant brands an up for this plan as well. Let's look at the British telco Vodafone. All right, I am going with an up because it's got a deal going on, Microsoft, a 10-year deal that will cover AI and payments. Hmm. And of course, Microsoft has been really on the forefront of where things are going for AI and for Vodafone to jump on board to try to get a slice of the action and make sure it is relevant in a sense to improve its products. I am giving it an up. I will as well. This 10-year partnership between British Telco Vodafone and Microsoft will provide Vodafone users with AI and cloud services. And Vodafone says this deal will enable it to replace its physical data centers with cheaper and more scalable Azure cloud services. Definitely an up there. Wilma International is next. I am looking at a down. And this is despite Wilma's China unit denying that it played a role in a big fraud saga playing out in China to the tune of 5 billion yuan. And this was a loss by a state enterprise from alleged fraud. So not very good optics for EHI Carry Arana Holdings, despite saying no, they didn't deny or they didn't do anything wrong. It's going to be a very distracting piece of news for them to manage. Still a down for Wilma in my books as well, uh, despite the denial of allegations. So to take a step back, if you just join us, Wilma, Ch- Wilma's China unit has become embroiled in an alleged fraud scandal in China that has to do with palm oil trading. Next, let's look at Blackstone. All right, good news. If you're trying to look for a job in this space, <laughs> Blackstone is hiring in private equity. So this is in Singapore as it tries to ramp up its presence in Southeast Asia. So dust off your CVs if you're on the hunt for a job. Yeah, Blackstone plans to double its private equity team here in Singapore within the next two years. Blackstone joins a growing list, really, of global asset managers who are expanding or setting up offices here. I'd say that's an up for Blackstone as well as for Singapore. 
Our last word today, thank you for that, uh, belongs to Amazon. Amazon, guys, is launching a new AI tool that will let us all ask questions about specific products rather than scrolling through the reviews. I don't know, I read through, the listings are just getting longer and longer, I think, before I can even get to the reviews. Well, we won't have to do that. We can chat with this AI, which can respond to all sorts of prompts. Um, It's quite creative as well. It can write a haiku about a product or tell you about it in the style of Yoda. Um, So imagine I'm looking for a new kitchen product and AI tells me a power blender it is with force-like capabilities. What do you think? All right, it's quite cute. It's got a bit of a sense of humor, but overall, I think it's quite a fundamentally interesting idea that you've got someone to summarize what is going to be a chunk of text that you might have to go through before you figure out what's going on. So pretty much summarizing, giving you the essence of what you're looking for. So cutting down your research time to bring your stuff into the cut as fast as possible. Mm. So that is uh, pretty promising for Amazon. Uh, Nothing is going to stop me from reading the reviews though. I feel like I get so much good info and and intel there. Yeah, especially the photographs. And I I love looking at the complaints, like how many complaints there are to see if it's... uh, no, legit. Yeah, it saved me from so many bad bites. In the meantime, I'm definitely going to check this out. It sounds like a lot of fun. Thank you, Ryan Wong. Have a good Wednesday. Thanks, Michelle. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.